I'm going to go straight into the world, acknowledge all men of God here and their wives and every member of the household of faith here. Thank God for you. Uh, the subject of our contemplation is no more lack. Uh, I think it's Prophet Jeremiah that said, let the rich man not boast in his riches. But the reverse of that is equally true. There are those who boast in their poverty. And the thing God is impressed by it. Uh, if you cannot do what you want to do at the time you want to do it, there is lack. It's a simple definition that covers all grounds. And someone said, God promised to supply your need and not your want. How terrible that is because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So anytime you want to do something and you're unable to do it, especially due to financial lack, you can't see no more lack. But we want to say categorically tonight, and that will be true in your life. It will be an experience you will live to tell others. How God broke that bondage of lack in your life in the name of Jesus Christ. Turn your Bible with me to Psalm 34. I'm going to take two scriptural texts, one from the Old Testament and one from the New, saying the same thing in different ways to establish that in the mind of God is a posture, especially for his people, that they will not lack any good thing. Psalm 34 verse 1 to 10, if you have the New King James Version of the Bible, it gives a heading to this term. The title is The Happiness of Those Who Trust in God. Uh, sometimes when you do not know someone's circumstances, you can blame them. But oftentimes when circumstances are explained, blame may become pity. What was the circumstances or the exact circumstance of David when he penned this psalm? If you read further, if you have that New King James Version, it says, A psalm of David, when he pretended madness before Abimelech, who drove him away and he departed. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 7 that oppression makes a wise man mad. David just ran away from home. Because Saul was looking for him to kill. He had been anointed king. And he knew, except he would terminate his life, his throne was in danger. So he ran to the land of the Philistines. And when they brought him before Abimelech, he did not know what to do. He allows his saliva to drop on his beard. And he pretended to be a madman. And Abimelech said, what do I have to do with a mad fellow? Get this person away from me. By the time you read that psalm tonight, you will notice that it was not saliva that delivered David. It was not the feigning of madness that delivered him. It was while he was there in his most vulnerable moment, angels surrounded him. Is in that psalm you discover that it was the angel of the Lord that surrounded him that delivered him. And the enemy could not afflict him 
Let's read now without understanding. Psalm 34 verse 1 to 10. It reads, and I quote, I will bless the Lord how many times? Is that true of you? Be honest with me because we are going to a realm that many people cannot access because their attitudinal disposition. When things are wonderful, they praise God. When things are not so wonderful, they murmur, they complain, they grumble. And praising God becomes a difficult assignment. But David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall sometime be in my mouth. Shall continually. Is there anybody listening to this today? That regardless of your circumstances and situation, God is God. Your law can take away from him. He does not need your vote. Don't confuse him with Donald Trump. <laughs> or with any other politician. Your circumstances uh, will not take away from who he is. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make his boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. I wish I'm in Africa. Oh, when we dance this and sing this one, you will think there's no more poverty in the land. And that's where we are going, the place where there will be no lack. Magnify the Lord with me. Let us praise his name together. Magnify the Lord with me. Let us praise his name together. You are used to drum when... Abraham went to worship. There was no guitar. There was nothing. It was just God and Abraham. I said, magnify the Lord with me. Let us praise his name together. Magnify the Lord with me. Let us praise his name together. Magnify the Lord with me. Let us praise his name together. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us praise his name together. God is good. He has done me well. Oh, my soul. Rise up and praise the Lord is good. Oh, my soul, rise up and praise. Amen. I wish you can do that. I wish you can do that all the time. Regardless of circumstances and situation. That will put God on the spot. Although the fig tree may not blossom, uh, That put God on the spot. Do you, do you understand that? After the devil had destroyed the financial empire of Job. And killed all his children in one day. And they brought evil report one after the other with bewildering rapidity to him. A Job worshiper got up. Shaved his head. Every other thing he could take glory in. And went before the Lord. And worshiped. As a naked came I from my mother's womb. Naked woman. The Lord gave it. The Lord 
Blessed be the name of the Lord. What do you think happened to the devil? He developed migraine because he had told God, you take away your shield and you will see that it will cause you to. And rather than cursing God, he began to praise him. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man is telling you of his situation. This poor man cried out and the Lord had him out of did what the Lord save him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord that was what he experienced. The angel of the Lord encamped all around those who fear him and he delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blesses the man who does what? Who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord. You is saints. There is no want. If you have the New King James Version of the Bible, beside the word want is a letter one. There is no lack. That's what he says. If you have it, there is no want. There is no lack to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger. But those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. I want you to pause and ponder because I want to lead you in prayers before we get into the depth of the message. Number one, it says... Those who fear the Lord, what happens to them? No lack. Do you know why? Because the fear of the Lord is his treasure. God has a treasury, deep, big, inexhaustible. And the key that opens it is the fear of God. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. Let, let me get that. on. If you can help me, please put that on the screen. Isaiah 33, verses 5 and 6. Isaiah 33, verses 5 and 6. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. No, 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 no. Isaiah 33. Is there no technology? What's wrong with the one in front of me? The light, okay. Isaiah 33, 5 and 6. The Lord is exalted for he dwells on high. He has filled Zion with justice and righteousness. Next verse. Wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times. Not inflation, not depression, not Wall Street. Do you understand me? Uh, not your central bank, not federal reserve. Wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times and the strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. Now Deuteronomy 28 help me please. Deuteronomy 28 verses 12 and 13 the fear of the Lord is his treasure. You are going to pray a prayer like you never prayed it before even if you have at the time you are going to pray it one more time you are going to invite a spirit to possess you. Others are demon possessed, but you are going to beckon to the spirit of the fear of the Lord and say, possess my heart. 
Let the fear of the Lord consume me and possess me because once I fear God, I have access to his treasure. The Lord will open you his good treasure. The heavens to give the rain to your land in his season and to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. Verse 13, and the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, to heed means to listen. To hearken. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and are careful to observe them. Now see this combination uh, from two critical scriptures. Proverbs 15, Proverbs chapter 15, verse number 6. Because two children can come from the same womb and they will be two different nations. By their choices. In the house of the righteous, there is what? Oh, in the house of the righteous, there is what? Much treasure, but in the revenue of the wicked is trouble. Why is there much treasure? Why does God expect much treasure in the house of the righteous? Verse number 16. It is mixed with the fear of God. Verse 16. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with trouble. So when you fear God, you have access to his treasure. God can trust you with his riches, with his resources, because he knows you fear him. You know when money gets into the hands of people, all kind of abominable things they do? Because they don't understand this undergirding factor called the spirit of the fear of God. Why do you think the ministry of Jesus had no lack? All the time he was here because it was God. No, no, no. It was because he feared God. Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11. See what it prioritizes. Isaiah chapter 11, beginning from verse number 1. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. And a branch shall grow out of his roots. You'll find out that he's a rod and he's the roots of Jesse. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And which one does he prioritize of all these? Next verse. Is the light is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. You can read the rest. You will become a standard to the nation, a standard to the world by the time you get to verse 10. Of that scripture is that it will be a standard. It will be the bearer of standard. This is how to live. In Hebrews chapter 5, the Bible says, he, he cried and he was heard because of his godly fear. Stand to your feet tonight and say, I invite the spirit of the fear of God to possess me. Let the spirit of the fear of God possess me completely. Lord, let that spirit invade my heart and possess me. Absolutely, in the name of Jesus Christ, because godly fear is the key to God's treasure, the key to his abundance. Those few fear God will lack no good thing. Let it not just be a phrase, let it be a lifestyle. I don't need to be followed up by anyone. It doesn't matter whether others are there. Whether they're there or not, I know your eyes are upon me. Let the spirit of the fear of God possess my heart. In the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you, Father, in Jesus' mighty name.
Amen. There's a second thing there. I want you to pause. He said in verse 10, he said, the young lions lack and suffer hunger. But those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. I want you to pause and ponder. Why do the lion, young lions lack? Why? Why? Those who fear the Lord shall not lack any good thing. But young lions lack. Oh, how about old lions? They don't lack. Job chapter number four. Let's find out. Three generations and three generations in a family can become, they can go from poverty to exigency to absolute lack. Except you arrest it and say it stops with me. No more lack in my family and it will not affect the next generation. Job chapter 4, verse number 8. Job chapter number 4. Beginning from verse number 8, I'll read up to verse 11. Pay attention, because you think it's only the young lions that do lack. I want those of you who really are, are eager and, 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 and your heart is ready to be the ones that will come in the morning. Don't waste your time. I pray to the Father. Honestly, I don't want more than 12 people. I stood before God and I said to pastor, I said, I pray that God will find a way of eliminating people tomorrow. Just get them busy. Give them something else to do. You know when Abraham sent his servant to go look for a wife? He said, the angel of the Lord will go before you. Do you understand me? You know what that angel did? He sent other girls everywhere. Nobody came except that woman until the transaction is concluded. It may be one person, maybe two tomorrow, that God will lift up and raise. They are the ones who come in the morning because you need to understand why young lions lack and why old lions also lack. It's not my word, it's the Bible. Job chapter number 4, beginning from verse number 8. Even as I've seen those who plow iniquity and sow trouble, they do what? By the blast of God, they perish. By the breath of his anger, they are consumed. Pay attention. The roaring of the lion, the voice of the fierce lion, and the feet of the young lions are broken. You see why they lack? You need to understand why the young lions lack. Their feet, what? Are broken. When the feet of a lion is broken, what is a, it's a toothless running lion. But don't stop there. Let's read further. The old lion perishes for lack of prey. And the corpse of the lioness are scattered. That's three generations. The corpse, the young lion, and the old lion, they all scatter. The Yoruba say, that three generations will not end up in poverty. That somewhere along the third generation, someone will break free. But in this family, they all became poor and they all lacked. From the cob to the young lion to the old lion. We must break some things in your life. Uh, you must say, poverty ends with the last generation. I'm spearheading a new generation. No, no, no. From me to my descendants hereafter, to a thousand generations, the Lord will bless me and bless the seed in my line for third, fourth, and thousand generations. For as long as my generation remains on the face of the earth, no more lack. 
I want you to pray for yourself. Even if you came here uh, 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 and you're not sure of where, how to pay your bills, where the next meal will come, I'm saying it's ending with you. Yes. I say it's ending with you. Yes. In the name of Jesus, somebody scream it. No more luck. No more luck. No more luck. You may be seated. In Jesus' mighty name, no more luck. Now let's go into the New Testament and see God's plan for his people. And how they really, really acted out no more luck in the New Testament. Acts of the Apostles chapter 4, beginning from verse 32 to 37. Acts of the Apostles chapter 4, verse 32 to 37. Now, the multitude of those who believe were of one heart and one soul. And let me stop there and take you to chapter 1 of the same book and just let you know what happened. That they were gazing into heaven with their mouth open looking at Jesus ascending into heaven. He had told Nicodemus, no man has ever ascended to heaven at any time. He said, how about Elijah? No, he didn't ascend. A wild wind took him into heaven. How about Enoch? He was taken. He was not found. And Jesus said, no man has ever ascended. I will not need help of anyone. When it's time to go, mm. When they saw him ascending, they opened their mouths and two angels had to say, you men of Galilee, why are you looking up? This same Jesus, the same way he's gone, is the same way he's coming. When they had seen that, they remember what he had said to them to tarry in Jerusalem. The Bible said they returned. It was a Sabbath day journey, which means it's six miles. Because on a Sabbath day, you can't walk more than six miles. If you read New Living Translation, it was just six miles from the point it was taken to where they gathered. And they all gathered together to pray. The Bible says they were of one accord. If you're going to see a church that is blossoming, hearts and soul must come together. Leadership cannot be going in one direction and you go in another direction. Do you understand me? They must be of one heart and one soul. It does not matter how critical, how major, how, how, how expensive the project is. Once your heart and minds of people are together, nothing can restrain them. But how to get their minds together is what this message is all about also. Because little, little foxes destroy the vine. You don't realize that uh, your animosity towards me can hold the entire church bound. That's why it says when you come to the altar to give your sacrifice and you realize your brother has ought, you don't have anything against him. But he has ought against you. He said, leave your sacrifice there and go and be reconciled to your brother first. It's so important to God that one rotten apple can destroy the whole apple cart. It was only Achan that stole. How many lives were lost as a result of it? We must get to the place where the fire of the spirit must burn off every anxiety, every fear on the inside of us completely so that we can have the mind of Christ and we'll be of one mind and one soul. Amen. 
Now the multitude of those who believe were one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but he had all things in common. For that to happen, we must have the same operational principles. Because if I'm going to let you have my car used, and you are going to wreck it, you cannot be of one mind. But if you are going to take care of my own thing like it's yours, and I'm going to take care of your own thing like it is mine, then we can have all things in common. You can come to take my car, and I will not fear you are going to pawn it. We must have the same core values. At this moment, their concern was kingdom advance. And everyone was ready to back it up. Verse 33, and with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And what was upon them? And great grace was upon them all. Somebody say great power. Great power. Great grace. You can't get that in MBA class. I don't care who your teacher is. That's why many people with MBA are broke. No more jobs. Technology is replacing men. With great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ and great grace was upon them. Outcome of that. Now was there anyone among them who lacked? Is that true? Or is it just exaggeration? There was none of them among them who lacked. Can we get to that level? I believe God wants us to beat it in the end time church. Amen. That everyone will have more than enough. And we are eager to promote the gospel to the uttermost part of the world. Now was there anyone among them who lied for all who were possessors of lands aha, or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold as that happened here, Pastor, that a member of the church here sold land. And I said, Pastor, in order to accomplish the things you want to do, I just sold my land. I just sold my house. Here is it. Nope. All right. So are you really ready for no more luck? I sold my house. You can ask Pastor Adiboy. I'm not lying. We're going to have a crusade in Ghana. And there was shortage of fun. I went to England and sold my house and took the money and gave to him, let's go to Ghana. I mentioned it, I'm mentioning and I'm calling name, not because I want to show off. This happened when? 1985, February. If you want to lie, you lie against somebody. Say, go and ask somebody. I mentioned name. We want to operate in this realm, but we are not ready to pay the price. It didn't say all of them did, but they were notable. That's why I'm praying that God will only bring sense of consolation in the morning, the sense of encouragement. His name is called Joseph, and the son named him Barnabas. Do you understand me? The word Joseph is Joseph. It's a Joseph of a New Testament. Do you get my point? 
And he had landed in Cyprus. He was from Cyprus. He sold that land and brought the money to apostles' feet. And there was a major need at that time. That's why they call him a son of consolation, a son of encouragement. Rather than the thing falling and dropping down, somebody saw what he heard. He said, the work must continue. You know, immediately I got here, you are, you are frozen up. I said, if I go sell my house, where, do I, where am I going to live? It was not the house I was living in that I sold. When God sees your heart, a little child the other day in our church bought oranges and came to me and said, Pastor, I, 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 I bought oranges to give to you because I don't have anything, I don't have much, and I've brought these oranges to you. I took the oranges with tears flowing down my cheeks. Why? Because I knew that was a deep calling unto deep. Saying someone saying, I will take care of you, whatever I have, but this little I have, I'm starting from here. It's not a fundraising seminar, it's to raise you. Amen. I believe there will be channels of blessing in the 21st century church. They will be there to liquidate themselves so that the kingdom of God. See, when God blesses the like of Pastor Kumui, I don't envy them at all. I saw the consecration. I saw their sacrifice. They were not perfect. They are human like you and I, but they sold all. There was a time there was going to be a major event in Ghana. And there was no form. Kumui sold his car. And it was, we were taking him from home to church on bike. Okada was not common back then. Tonight, my single objective is to set in order principles that clearly show that God Almighty has no plan of redundancy, of exigency or lack for those who trust in him. Psalm 34, verses 8 and 10, we read it. Those who trust God. Psalm 34, verses 8 to 10. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want or lack to those who fear him. And the young lions lack and suffer hunger. But those who seek the Lord shall not what? Lack any good thing. Let's go back to the very beginning to find out the reason for lack and shortage in people's lives. Pastor Bang, the other day, I got a job for my friend's daughter. She's a medical doctor here. And I said, come home quickly. There's a new job, a new opportunity here. He said, I can't come. I said, why? He said, I'm paying my student's loan. I said, student's loan. What happened to your dad? I said, well, that's the culture here. A culture of sentencing your children into penury.
How long will they spend paying the money back? They are in servitude. Thank God for a new Passover. God must deliver you from captivity. Please, I'm not boasting. Let him that was boasting. God, I'm not boasting. There was a time in this country that five of my children were in university at the same time there was no single scholarship. None of them took a single loan. Okay, I've lost you now. I think I should stop here. Have I touched on toes? I apologize if it's offensive. But if you say no more lack, it means it affects you. It will affect your children. They are not going to be sentenced to servitude. Those who put the system there know they want to enslave your children. Let's go back to the beginning. Without any controversy, God created a world of abundance. Or you disagree? The first time you see the word abundance in the Bible was when God created the fish of the sea and the sea creatures. Genesis chapter 1 verses 20 and 21. Genesis chapter 1 verses 20 and 21. If I offend you by anything I say, offenses must come. Don't be offended because you cannot be offended and anointed. Just get up, become angry and pay their loan. And set them free. Don't be mad at me. Be mad at poverty. Be mad at lack. Be mad at a system that holds your future in bondage. And I'm not reading anybody's mail. I don't know whose child. I told you what happened to my friend's daughter. I felt she's so brilliant. And I went to use influence. This job is important. It's critical. He said, I can't come. Except they can pay my loan. Compared to my son, Sheev, Pastor, my second son, I was home in Nigeria. The phone rang. Hello, Shay boy. He said, hi, dad. He said, I'm fine. How about you? He said, I'm fine. What can I do for you? He said, do you still give scholarship? I said, what a question. Yes, I do. He said, I have a friend here who cannot pay his, his fee this time, and he will drop out of school. His father is a pastor, but things are not going. So I told him my father gives scholarship. I said, Shei, I give scholarship in Naira. <laughs> so I'm sorry, Dad. I said, okay, I'll pay this time. And let's pray for his own father also to rise up. So I warned him, I said, don't go tell anybody again. (laughs) So you see, 
Lack is a different level. But we'll get to the place where abundance will become the norm. Genesis 1, 20 and 21. Then God said, let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. Verse 21. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves with the waters abounded according to their kind and every winged bird according to its kind and God saw that it was good. That's the first time you see the word abundance in the Bible. By law of first mention, it says let the waters abound with an abundance. It's a perpetual decree. Let me ask you an honest question. I know you are very smart, madam, and, 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 and you know things. About how many tons of fish have you eaten since you were born? <laughs> or let's agree in this room about how many tons of fish have we collectively consumed. I'm saying us here. About how many tons? Now multiply that globally. And there is still fish. And all God did was to speak to water. Now the problem is when he speaks to you, you resist. I'll leave that for the morning because animals are better than men when it comes to this subject. I've commanded the ravens to feed you there. Twice daily they brought food without complaint. And yet, ravens are the most selfish bird in the Bible. They don't take care of their offspring, the Bible says. But twice daily, because God commanded, without fail. God spoke to a prophet by the name of, it became a soothsayer, by the name of Balaam. Do not go. They cannot be cursed or blessed them. He said to this donkey, went eventually when he saw a high price of divination. It was a donkey that spoke with human voice. That showed the madness of the prophet. God sent his prophet to Nineveh. He went to Tashish instead. But God commanded a whale to swallow him. Or a big fish. The big fish knew exactly where his assignment was. And went to drop him there. Animals don't fight God. And that's why there are no gay in their kingdom. God does not hate homosexuals. No. He doesn't. He loves them with passion. But he's not going to condone what they're doing either. From the beginning, he created a world of abundance. Now take this as principle number two. You will not find anything in the book that says if you don't walk, you will not eat. Except when you get to the New Testament. I'm talking of the beginning. I know it's a New Testament principle that those who shall not walk shall not eat. There were no wages in the garden. Man was not to walk for food and to pay bills. Everything he would need to live on was already in the garden before he got there. 
Do you want me to read chapter and verse or you, you know this? The Lord God took the man he formed and he brought him into the garden which he had planted. Man did not even plant the garden. When we settled here in America before we went back home, Pastor Bank, the first two properties I bought, you were instrumental to the first one. I didn't even see the property. I just gave you a description. I said, please, these are the things we need there. Help me. And he did. And, and, and he said, do I like it? I said, look, you know me. And so if this is okay by the standard, I didn't see it. And when I came, I carried my box on my head. I said, here comes the village boy. Where have you gotten for us to live here? It doesn't bother. That's why I carried it to Lagos. I carried it to Atlanta also. When we built our house that we are living in now, my children made that portmanteau in a cake format and gave it to me to carry again. <laughs> but I'm going somewhere. We bought a house we were living on one side and the other one was an office. Yet today you were there. And my daughter took a gap year to work with us. She said, it will work with me for that gap year. And what discussing, uh, pardon me, oh, you remember? A year off, okay. We call it gap year in UK. You call it a year off here, okay. So it would take a year off and it would work with us. And we're calculating a salary. And my daughter said, how about transport allowance? I said, Olubumi, transportation allowance? From here to there? He said, no, Adam was in his house. I'll be going to the next house. I said, yes, what I've taught you now, you're using against me. <laughs> Do you understand me? He said, Dad, you thought that Adam was in his house and everything in there was there. Adam did not go to the next compound. I said, look, this entire place is one compound. It belongs to us because they are sharp in the spirit. They know the things they have been taught and they are not going to negotiate from the position of weakness. They are not looking for jobs. They will create jobs. The future belongs to entrepreneurs. The very beginning, there was no such thing as man walking in order to feed himself or pay his bills. Everything in the garden was prepared. Give me Genesis chapter 2, verse 8 to 15. Genesis 2, 8 to 15. I want you to see it. I'm not in a hurry. Once you understand this, then if you are one of those that God will use for his glory, you come in the morning. If you are not one of those, stay at home. May God send you an errand <laughs> so that you do not waste my time and you do not waste your time. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden and there he put the man whom he had formed. That's a problem. If he does not form you, he cannot fill you. And out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now a river went out of Eden to water the garden and from there it parted and became four river heads. The name of the first suspicion, it is the one which carries the whole land of Avila where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. The helium and the onyx stones are there. The name of the second river is Gion. It is the one which goes around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is Edekel. It is the one which goes toward the east of Assyria. The fourth river is the Euphrates. 
Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. Was he going to plant so that he would have food? Everything that was pleasant for food was already there before he got there. God said, you need to exercise your muscle so that you, 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 do you understand me? And I want you to tend this garden and to keep it. I'm putting you in charge. Everything is there. Pastor Bang, even when I was coming to America last night, I carried my stove and I carried a bed and I carried towels and I carried basins and I showed up at the airport. <laughs> so I have three days meeting in America and I don't know if they have beds there, if they have basins there, if they have towels there, if they have this there, if they have that there somebody would send me to a psychiatric hospital because all those things are there. That's the reason you brought nothing from heaven to this place. They were provided before you got here, but you've been looking in different directions. That's the reason you brought nothing to the world. They were already here. Tell your neighbor, stop looking in wrong directions. Number three. But there were conditions attached. God more or less said to Adam, Adam, all things are yours except one item. Are you here? You're going to hear a truth that you will almost say, hold on, wait a minute. That's why you need to come in the morning. All things are yours except one. The tree of knowledge of good and evil in the Bible uh, had been turned upside down that, oh, it was a tree to make one wise. So you read all that, but it was a tight in that garden. Okay. Yeah. It was that which only God could handle. Right. So you are free to eat everything but this one. You eat it, you shall change yourself and then you die. When we've made mountains out of more hills and we don't understand principles that for as long as you belong to Christ, all things are yours. Adam, everything in this garden is yours, but this one is not for you. In the day that you eat out of it, in dying you will die. Genesis 2, 15 and 16. Is it 16 and 17? Genesis 2. Verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, Of every tree of the garden you may. Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. If you like purple in the morning, that's your business. If you like pineapple, if you like uh, whatever you like. But of the tree of the knowledge of the good and of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Was it poisonous? That's why you have to think and get your thinking cap. If it was to kill him because it was poisonous, the moment he ate it, he should have dropped dead. But in my kingdom, 
the way I operate and run the affairs of the planet, there are certain things that are meant for me, they are not for you to consume. You eat them, you die. You disconnect yourself from every other thing that is yours. That's the symbolism of that tree in the garden. And I will explain it in the morning. I don't have time now. Somebody say chances, chances. Choices, choices, and consequences. consequences. Say it again. Chances, chances. Choices, choices, and consequences. Wherever there is no choice, your free moral standpoint cannot be tested. You are a free moral agent. If God had said, all things are yours and you can do what you like with it, they would not have been seen. But God created this man, wanted this man's loyalty, wanted his devotion, and he said, I'm giving you everything. Do you know, have you noticed that if you tell the children they can enter every room in the house except one, they'll be looking for key to enter the place. Ditto for us, the adults. The first line of attack is your tight. When things are not going well. I can show you Ezekiah, I can show you even kings. They will go into the temple and strip the gold of the temple to pay for, for their blunders. The first thing you want to attack, a person has not slept, the dog is not, you are talking tight when we are already tight. That's the reason you remain tight. Well, the conditions attached were violated. And so, toiling entered into the vocabulary of mankind. Lack came in. Do you understand me? Genesis 2, 16 and 17. Of every tree of the garden, freely eat except one. The day you eat out of it, in dying you will die. So, chances, every tree. Choices, don't touch, don't eat this one. Consequences, Genesis 3.16. It's not an accident. Genesis 2.16, you have freedom to eat everything except one. Here are the consequences in Genesis 3.16. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be your, for your husband and he shall rule over you. Is there any woman here who had given birth and you just went there and you had your hair made up and you did... Uh, what? what eyebrow, cascara, and mascara on the, on the day that you are going to give birth and say, doctor, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a new being. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Baby, come out. <laughs> say to your neighbor, God means everything he says. And he says everything he means. Next verse, verse 17. Then to Adam he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife. I can come here and tell you how many people walk in penury because of their wives. 
And how many women walk in penury because of their husbands? The crisis in Abraham's house was a result of his wife. It's exactly what happened in Genesis 3 that happened in the household of the patriarch Abraham. He said, we have stayed in Canaan for 10 years. Here is my handmaid, my house girl. Let him be a wife to you. Middle East crisis is there today to still remind you and I. He said, here is she. And the Bible says she gave her to him to become his wife. And read your Bible well. By the time the angel of the Lord will speak to her, he said, why have you fled from your mistress? Okay, maybe I'm the only one reading that. And because the moment you exchange your bed for another person, that's what you become. But when crisis came, and she insisted that Ishmael must be pushed out, Abraham was angry. And God said, listen to your wife. Did you not hearken to her before? Exactly. For so many of us, it's not Satan that is hindering our blessing, no. It's our wives. Because of the way we treat them. So treat them with care, like you treat a fragile object. They are not weaker than men. I believe they are stronger. Anybody that can swallow a whole human being for nine months <laughs> and bring that child is strong. They're not weak. Let men go through the pain of childbirth. No family will have more than one child. <laughs> but he said, treat them as weaker vessels. Treat them as like fragile objects so that your prayers may not be hindered. Where was Adam when serpent was talking to his wife? He was there because the Bible says, and he, she gave it to her husband with her. And he ate. Because you have heard the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it. Curse is a ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles you shall bring forth for you and you shall eat the herb of the field in the sweat of your face. You shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Toiling entered human vocabulary. Sweat entered human vocabulary. Every time you say, I got this out of the sweat of my brow, you are cursing that thing. Because God Desire for you to have as, as, a sweatless life. Toiling entire human vocabulary. What, do you know the consequence of sowing corn and reaping thistles and thorns? It doesn't matter what you put in the ground. It says thorns and thistles. It, it will be crushing you. You will walk like an elephant. You will eat like an ant. The exact opposite of you not labor in vain or bring forth for trouble is what you will encounter. You labor in vain. Everything you do will get towards trouble. 
Let me at this point separate toiling from toiling. We are going to an area where there's no lack in your life. And you must accept it. You must reject lack. You must rise up and you must ask God to help you that it does not matter what it is, anywhere, anytime, you have sufficiency for all things. I know the New Testament as much as you do, that Christ has become a curse for us, but why is still there lack in your life then? There is toiling and there is toiling. There is toiling that is a curse that brings about lack and poverty, but there is toiling that is dignity of labor and perseverance that produces a profitable venture. It must be separated. Burning the midnight oil to get things done is not toiling in vain. Walking in a way that you are not dependent on others and you are not, uh, what's the name of the thing? It's a Yoruba name that came to my head. Uh, can you interpret for me? Afomotio Nibongo, parasite. Parasite. Too many parasites in the church. Is when they are going home, you know they are parasites. And they're uh, bros, uh, there's, no, there's no fuel in my car. In fact, we don't even know how we eat. I just trusted God to come to church and he will take from this one. He will take from Mary today, go to Jane tomorrow. I banished them from the church at Lateran Assembly. That spirit, not the people, that spirit. That's why we have no welfare department. We have pastoral care department. No welfare department. If you have a need, we'll sit you down. Why do you have this need? What are you doing? What do you know how to do? How can we help you so that you're not a beggar? That's not confused compassion with emotion. <laughs> Pastor, they came to me and they thought, it was Pastor Kate. He said, this brother is so faithful. There's no service that he will not come. And he's always there. I said, that's why he's poor. He has no other job <laughs> other than punctuality at service. <laughs> the Bible says a faithful man abounds with blessings. So if he's faithful, he should abound with blessings. Not showing up every, the moment the door opens, he's the first to be there. No, he's coming to play God. Give him transport to go back home. Go and get a farm and walk. Yes, we want people in church but they are just coming to refuel because they are sent into the world. If you are like Peter that labored all night and caught nothing, that's toiling. That's a curse. But if you are like Apostle Paul, there's a toiling that brings result. I must distinguish that. Second Thessalonians chapter 3. I'll soon finish. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, beginning from verse number 6. I'm laying down the principles so that tomorrow morning we can then roll. Okay? 
We see the young lion, we see the old lion, we see why the lack. We see three generations of poverty and poverty stricken people. Must shake it. I started child labor at the age of nine. By the time I was 10, I was a professional. You see, my sons are all taller than I am, all the three of them, because they carry no load. Second Thessalonians 3, verse 6. But we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which you receive from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us, for we were not disorderly among you. Nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge. There is no free lunch in Freetown. Uh-huh. We didn't eat anyone's bread free of charge. They work with labor and toil night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. For Pastor Bank to come to Lagos is toiling. It's not convenient for your body, but you beat it blue black to be a blessing to others. But it's telling that it's producing result. Because we are hitting the things that it's feeding us with. And I cross the sea and the ocean to come here, not for a fashion parade to see your faces. No, to tell you some home truths that will get you angry with poverty and lack. In the mercy of God, point number five, even before Christ came, God removed the curse on the ground in his mercy. This is where the robber is going to meet the road tonight because you see what is hindering people's progress and why many people still lack and they are doing three, four jobs and some are in between jobs. It was here in America I had. I said, oh, how are you doing? I said, I'm in between jobs. I said, ah, okay, that's wonderful. Which one? This one and that one. I didn't know it means I have no job. I just lost one waiting for another. That's what it meant. Uh, when he told me in between just, I said, wow, you must be blessed in morning and evening. And the mercy of God, even before Christ came, God renounced the cross on the ground when Noah offered, listen to me, when Noah offered a free will offering to God. The reason given in church is becoming counterproductive is, is full of manipulation. Suggestive giving that are not spirit-led at all. Lots of manipulation in the church. And a lot of, uh, uh, that brother gave 5,000, I must beat. Competitive jealousy. I want us to read two things tonight from this Genesis account when God removed the curse on the ground. Because there are people still going around that if your ground is cursed, we need to come and anoint the, the, the ground with oil. What? what God removed the curse. That curse long ago. 
Even third and fourth generational curses had been broken by God. He said in Ezekiel, what is this proverb that you use in Israel? The fathers have eaten sour grape and the children's teeth are set on edge. The soul of the father is mine. The soul of the son is mine. It's the soul that sinner that shall die. God is not an unjust God. You know what happened in the days of Noah? Do I need to go open chapter and verse in chapter 6 of Genesis? He said, with you I will establish my covenant. I'm going to destroy the whole earth. Everyone with, a, with the breath of life in his nostrils, I'm going to flood the earth and destroy them. Build an ark for your household. And get some clean animals come to you and put them in that ark. God fulfilled his word. And the flood came. And everything that has a breath in his nostrils that was not in the ark did what? I can't hear you. Except one thing. Except fish. Because that's a place abundance began from. And God is not going to affect it. So he made sure that although they were not in the ark, they were in their element. When you stay in your element, whatever plagues the world will not touch you. That's in your element. That's, that's a revelation God gave me in 85. You can't enter my house and not see either an aquarium or see a waterfall. It's to remind me of what he showed me that if I stay in my element, it doesn't matter what is happening. That's the first place God spoke abundance and was not going to destroy it. Are you still here? And after the flood, the Bible says, Noah came. After God had opened the door, he came out. And he took of every clean animal. I want us to read that portion of scripture before tomorrow morning. Every clean animal erected an altar, pastor. Every clean, and he offered a sacrifice unto God. And God smelled a soothing aroma. And said in his heart, he didn't speak it out. He said, I will never again curse the ground. For man's sake, although the imagination of his heart is evil from his youth. And he established a new law. For as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest. I'm waiting for you to complete the rest. Huh? No, no, no. It didn't stop there. See, thank you. He remember Africa before he remember you people. Cold and heat. And then he said winter and summer. And then he remembered us first. <laughs> the greater civilization is going to come from Africa. Wait for it. I don't preach black gospel. I'm just letting you know in advance that he put cold and heat before winter and summer. He has a reason for it. For as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night shall never cease. Question, has day and night ceased? Has winter and summer ceased? Has cold and heat ceased? Will seed time and harvest ever cease? So what is this new law? 
What does it mean? Number one, I want you to see that God did not demand an offering from Noah. Please read the portion because we are, we are doing some clinical things in the morning. And I pray only those that message is meant for we come. God didn't say, I can tell you what God said to him, even before you open your Bible. He said, come, you, your sons, your wife and their wives, and every animal with you, come, take them out of the ark, that they may abound on the earth, abundance still in his mind, and that they may be fruitful and multiply. God never said, give me an offering. It was something in the inside of Noah that said, wait a minute. In the first instance, I didn't know how to save myself. All these animals that are now mine, and pastor, there's something, there's something else I want you to know that if we will live as we should live, there will be no wild beast operating around us because the lion and the goat ate straw in that ark. Yes. One did not devour the other. It does not matter how beastly you are. When you step into the presence of God, it changes your nature. Don't want to hurt on my holy mountain. That's what he says in Isaiah chapter 11. Are you here? Did Melchizedek demand an offering from Abram? He gave him first. I'm leading you somewhere. Look, what you don't leave, you can't transmit. You can't, your children cannot take it. They cannot receive it. <laughs> when God showed up to Jacob, the third in the line, in a dream, and he woke up, he said, God is in this place, and I know it not. The first thing he pledged was his tithe. Did God demand for it? No. no. So God did not pressurize Noah, manipulate Noah. God did not say, Noah, which one do you think I deserve? Clean or, or, or unclean animals? No. And God now established this law that for as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night shall never cease. Now here is a billion dollar question. Who determines your harvest in life? You will need to answer that because I have just some seven more minutes. I want you to go home and come back tomorrow in one piece. Who determines your harvest in life? Why are you not answering me? A person determines his own harvest by what seed he sows. Now, that is the teaching in the church and is nothing but blatant error. That's where we miss it. I will have to wait till tomorrow morning to take you through. That's where we miss it. You determine your own harvest on the face of the earth, do you? Oh, you go to scriptures like if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. But if you don't read further, you will not see what he's saying. For example, pastor, they came to Jesus. 
They say, shall we pay tribute to Caesar or not? He said, why are you trying to tempt me? Give me a coin. Whose image and superscription is this? And what was the answer? Caesar's. And then he said, give unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's and give unto God the things that are God. And you use that as there are some things that belong to Caesar and there are some things that belong to God. Therefore, I will give to think Caesar the things of Caesar and God. No. He said, whose image and superscription is this? How did they determine what belonged to Caesar? The image of Caesar. How do you determine what belongs to God? The image of God, including Caesar. Yes. <laughs> Everything. He who sows sparingly shall reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully shall reap. But, and then you conclude, I determine my harvest. You, are, you own the ground. <laughs> you don't. The truth of the matter is, you don't even own the seed. God gives seed to the sower. And that's where I would take you. If you are going to break lack in your life, he gives seed to the sower and he gives bread to the eater. And he multiplies the seed you have sown and increase your fruit of righteousness. Because why? God is able to make all grace. Somebody say all grace. God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always having sufficiency in all things may abound unto every good work. That every time there's a need in his house and every time there's a need elsewhere, it's opportunity for you to say, promotion is around the corner. Wow. Because God can do it without you, but he wants to include you. Out of mercy. Out of mercy. Isn't that simple and straightforward? Now, there are others who believe extreme, another extreme error that if I can sow my seed, my need will be met by my seed. My need is in my seed. That's not what God teaches. He supplies the seed and he supplies the need. My God shall supply all your need. So where is your responsibility between the seed and the need? Obedience to worship. Knowing that you are not the owner. Knowing that nothing belongs to you. All are is. These are things you need to shake off your life so that you don't cling to anything. Black Britain was interviewing my wife, Mrs. B, in London. They said, we understand your, your husband is a, a, a Muslim tongue Christian millionaire and says stop there we don't use such language in our family we own nothing we are stewards because he can tell us move it here and it goes there a steward does not own a trustee is holding a trust I don't think you get this okay let me prove it from the beginning from after the flood, and I close. And I will continue from here. You are going to pray a prayer tonight that God deliver you from yourself. Because you're your greatest enemy. It's not the devil. Can't stop you. It's you. Pastor, the clean animals that Noah offered 
that entered into the nursery of God and he said, I smell a soothing aroma. I will never again cause the ground. How did Noah get it? If Noah was going after every animal, white animal, clean animal, and he catches two today, and he sees bird, and he goes there to catch, God did not allow, God just allowed him to gather them. God brought them to him. Look at your Bible. Genesis chapter 6, verse 17. Who gave to Noah the animals he offered? Genesis 6, verse 17. And behold, I myself am bringing flood waters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh in which is the breath of life. Everything that's on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you. You shall go into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall what? I can't hear you. Who is you there? Noah, of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female. When you read that and you stop there, is to bring them in. Did he go after? Okay, here's a lion. I got you. Here is a horse. I got you. Read further. God brought them to him. Of the birds after their kind, of animals after their kind, of every creeping thing of the earth after its kind, two of every kind will come to you. Two of every kind will what? Come to you to keep them alive. Permit me. What does that mean? The cobra does not go around hunting for animal. He's a sleeping animal. He will sleep like this. But whenever it is time for him to eat, Almighty God will put a prey there. He will just swallow it, waiting for the next one. Why are you full of struggle, looking for what is not lost? By means of strength shall no man prevail. Almighty God can bring to your doorstep everything you need and bring to your own garden if you will accurately live the way he wants you to live and be upright. In his presence. I prophesy over your life that your struggles are coming to an end. In the name of Jesus Christ. I prophesy over your life no more lack. Exigency and poverty are coming to an end. In the name of Jesus, you'll be among those asking, don't we have any project in this season? Pastor, don't you? I have so much that I want to give to God. That will be your portion. In the name of Jesus, lack is coming to an end in your life. Poverty will have no play in your life because Christ had become a curse for you. For it is written, causes everyone that hangs on a tree so that the blessing of Abraham can come upon the Gentiles that we may receive the promise of the Spirit. Let us pray. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we repent of our ignorance and delusion in this area thinking that by means of our strength we can prevail. You have set all things in order. Heal us of our lack and want. Help us to operate in the realm of abundance and the realm of over and above. Help us, Father, everyone under the sound of my voice, as you brought to now, bring to them. 
thank you for the spirit of the fear of God because the fear of God is his treasure we thank you for the spirit that is possessed